Welcome to the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. This is Dr. Brian, board-certified pediatrician. And I'm Heather, registered dietitian nutritionist. Each episode, we dive into pediatric health and nutrition hot topics. Our goal is to help your family cut through the noise of the food and medical world. We want to empower you to have freedom and grace in raising your children to be healthy in all aspects of their life. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. This is episode 17, and we're going to be talking about adoption and foster care today. Again, but yeah. it's that time of year again. So it is. So November is a National Adoption Month, mm-hmm. and so um, we just thought it'd be really important and cool for us to share a little bit of our story again, but um, also just kind of talk about how it impacts our everyday life. Yeah, And now moving um, forward. Yeah. Okay, before we jump into this, because I feel like this might be a little bit of a heavier topic today, um, we just had Halloween a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What? How do you feel about the candy situation? There's or, a lot of it. What have you been eating mostly? That's what I want to know. I mean, I'll be honest. I probably sneak <laughs> one to three little fun snack candies every day. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I there's feel some like that's days a I forget about amount. it. Yeah, but I don't know. Honestly, there's so much candy. We have like just. I don't even know. There's more than we have three kids, and there's more than three bags of candy. So I'm not quite sure what happened there, but yeah, it's like our multiplies. pantry just is full. But but the good news is we can take from it, and no one notices, right, at all until you eat the last of whatever <laughs> kind it is, and then they're like, "Where did all my Swedish fish go?" Yeah, but you know, what's Dad, great is none of our kids really love chocolate. Yeah, and so I feel like it's all mine. You know, it's been interesting bad. too. Like clearly, if you've listened to us or checked out our stuff, like. We believe a lot in division of responsibility and some freedom and grace around feeding, and that includes desserts and snacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just been cool. We're what only three weeks after Halloween now, not even, not yet. even, yeah. And I feel like the kids aren't as interested anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the pantry, it's visible, and yeah, it's like on they the rarely floor. are grabbing or asking for it. And I don't know. Hopefully, that brings you guys some um, hope that if you started implementing some of the strategies that we have and have seen huge improvements in just how our family like operates around food, that you guys would benefit from that too. Yeah, and we're gonna actually do a whole podcast just on handling sweets and desserts. So Ooh, good plug, Brian. Can't wait. I know. Okay, so let's get serious for a minute and jump into adoption and foster care. So a few facts, there's over 400,000 kids in the United States in foster care currently, and 117,000 of them are currently awaiting adoption, whether that's some of those kids might have found a family already and they're just waiting for legalities to happen, Mm -hmm. and some of those are probably available to be adopted and have not. And it's interesting, more than 60% of the kids in foster care, they spend about two to five years in the foster care system before they are adopted. And then, of course, we know there are several that never get adopted and will phase out of the system. Yeah, and I actually haven't looked at the numbers, but I would think that oftentimes older kids um, are less likely to be adopted. And those with kind of chronic medical problems or mental health problems are um, probably less likely to be adopted. And um yeah, so it's a it's a huge issue mm-hmm. even in huh, the United States, our developed world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so um, we go into our story on um, jumping into foster care and adoption in several episodes: episode one, eight, and nine. So if you guys want to hear more of those details and kind of what led us to go there, um, 
totally go back and listen to those episodes. Definitely. But I'll just say right now, it is November, middle of November when we're recording this, and it's almost three years to the day of when we got to adopt our daughter. Yeah. Which wow. is crazy. So crazy huh? It like flies by. Yeah. Um, so we got her in 2017 and then a year, 2018, it was about a year and a half after first picking her up that we got to adopt her and we'll mm-hmm. be celebrating that soon. Yeah. And so we call it our gotcha day. Because yeah. Because it's the day that we got to keep her. Forever that yeah. we knew that we would. And so we celebrate it like a birthday or a holiday like you would for somebody else, but it's her gotcha day. Her special day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so today we just wanted to jump in and highlight this big question on how can foster care and adoption specifically benefit our biological kids? Mm-hmm. And this is something, a concern that I often hear from people who are maybe just talking about foster care or thinking about doing it and then wanting to, just hesitant, I guess, about the whole adoption, foster care in general, mm-hmm. right? And this is a concern that comes up that there, you know, there is this negative light on adoption in general. And I, I would say specifically on foster care and foster care kids, that it can be dangerous for your own biological children or unsafe for them um, if you were to bring in these other kids into your home. Um, and so how can you how can you justify that? and Or how can you, I guess, be at peace with that? Sure. Yeah, and I don't think we're saying that everybody's called to do this. No. Right? And so it looks different for every family. And some of those concerns are legitimate. Totally. Um, there are kids that we've had that we have been like, this is not a good fit and it's right. not... You know, not necessarily safety-wise, but maybe just well, sanity. Well, just because we were taking care of them in the foster care system as a as a in-between doesn't mean that we're necessarily the right fit for them for an adoptive family forever, right. um, which is kind of a hard thing to, like, wrap your mind around mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I think they they deserve the opportunity to be somewhere that they fit yeah. and that the family is excited about having them and... Um, and hopefully that that's where foster care goes, that if reunification with their primary family can't happen for whatever reason, that the progression is to work towards adoption and they don't just get stuck in the foster care system for a long time and right. bounce between house and house. Right. And like we said, or with the foster family, that's not a good fit for them. Exactly. You know? Okay. So we wanted to share from our own experience and maybe interactions we've had with other families who have adopted and and or have foster care children in their house you know just how it has affected their own families and biological kids in particular and like we said sure there are stories and situations that come up that are sad and and traumatic Mm -hmm. for biological kids and we definitely don't want that like we want to be discerning in who we bring into our home but there's also a lot of good things, and we don't always see those things highlighted. So why don't you start, and we'll kind of jump back and forth and kind of share some of our things that we've seen in our own family for the benefits of foster care and adoption for our biological kids. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that stands out to me is just like the definition of family mm-hmm. and um, how that can look different for a lot of different kids in a lot of different situations. And I think it's I think it's good to kind of expand the definition of family um, for your kids and your immediate kind of family that we consider family, but then um, to consider that there are seasons and ways in which your family maybe enlarges um, 
because of an opportunity like foster care or adoption. Um, but I think other people have situations where the definition of family changes because maybe grandparents move into the house or mm-hmm. a cousin has to come stay with them or, you know, you're between dwelling places and staying with extended family. Um, and those are all examples of family being bigger mm-hmm. than just like your immediate biological family. Um, but I think what we saw is that foster care really pushed that boundary quite a bit for our kids and gave them um, just kind of a big picture of what family could be and mm-hmm. that other people can come into a family and that can be a really awesome situation. Even yeah. though they didn't start in our family, they ended in our family or maybe right. they were with our family for a season. Um and they, you know, some of the foster placements we've had that have come and gone, our kids still talk about them to this day. Yeah. And they, I think they talk about them like almost as family. Yeah. Like they won't necessarily use that term like brother or sister, but um, I think the impact that it had on their heart is like a brother or sister mm-hmm. would. So. And I think about that in terms of like how we want to live our life in general and that like, you know, we value community a ton and I think... I think part of that is being able to see that, yes, your blood relatives are important and valuable to you, but in addition to that, like, there's this larger family that can be at work, and, like, like specifically if you're in a church or something, like your church family, where you would treat people um, like family, like you would sacrifice for them, like you would give them the shirt off your back, you would feed them if they needed to, you would give them a place to stay, and I think like foster care is a tangible way that like you're just naturally making this like a rhythm in their life that they are getting to see this view of family. Yeah. And it's like anything with kids, like it's one thing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to do it. Yeah. Right. And kids absorb what you do a whole lot more than, um, what you say. And so it's easy to, you know, November comes around and it's adoption month and maybe you hear something on the radio or the news and you have a brief conversation it's another thing to make it tangible. And I think our kids have had a a lot of cool opportunities because of foster care that we would have never been able to see ahead of time or anticipate. Mm -hmm. Um, but that just happened naturally because we were practically getting involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have friends who did foster care and they had a couple kiddos with them for a a while for Mm -hmm. about a year, but they didn't end up adopting and their girls reviewed to the what am I saying? Revealed? No. Oh, you said reviewed. I know. That's not what I meant. Oh. Oh, here we go. My brain is, is gone, you guys. <laughs> These girls of our friends, they refer to the foster kids they had as their sister friends. Sure. And I'm like, that's such a cute term because it is. Like, you are you are a family and it's, it's more than just a friend being in your life. But it's this weird in between that we're okay straddling. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like, I know we're talking about the definition of family here, but like... The definition of a community, I feel like, is important, too, because, I don't know, in our society, like, family is very much like drive your car into the garage, shut the garage behind you, and it's like these walls are up and we're safe and everything else is on the outside, and um, I don't know, some of the cool aspects of life can be, like, the community even around you in your neighborhood, and um, I think whether you're, you have religious, you know, affiliations Mm -hmm. or... Um, a desire for foster care or adoption or any of these things, I think ultimately everybody kind of wants to have a safe and enjoyable community around them. Um, and this is just a practical way that you can get out there and, and um, make that actually happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that you are the foster family, but maybe you can cons- consider serving in some sort of capacity 
um, to serve these kids, even if they're not in your home. Maybe right. there's a foster care group home around you that needs visitors. Yeah. Um, Someone to be a mentor yeah, for these mentorship kids. mentorship stuff is huge. So, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's not even the foster care system. Maybe it's just other communities around you. Yeah. Um, other organizations, I mean, in your community. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's I think, a big topic. But... Yeah. So it's expanded our view of family, I think. And mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yes. What about you? What's something else that stands out to you? Um, okay. I think one of the big ones is somewhat related, but it gave our kids this great opportunity and still does, even though we don't currently have kids from the foster care system in mm-hmm. our home. Um, but even with, with our daughter who is adopted, it gives opportunity for us to talk about hard and messy and dangerous almost parts of life in within our safe place of home right like they got to see kids come into our home who had broken ribs as Mm -hmm. an infant Mm -hmm. and like that's like a really yucky topic Mm -hmm. i would never like read a children's book most likely about about, who's had physical abuse yes (laughs) but they saw it and they got to like process that in whatever way that they could at three and four years old you know with parents who were safe you know Mm -hmm. and so i feel like like most people don't get those those opportunities to like see these people up close who are broken and and have a place to process it and digest it and then you know for years to come we'll be able to have conversations around these topics and they have a frame of reference and they Mm -hmm. have a context not just context but like a human to place it to right you know what i mean like remember you know just the other day i feel like we were talking about one of the kiddos and talking about how like he can't he has come so far and we're Mm -hmm. still in contact with his his um caretakers now and they tell us he's doing so great like remember how he couldn't even sit up when we had him Mm -hmm. he's like walking and talking in a totally normal four-year-old and just like them getting to hear those stories and remember who he was and that he's a real person and his life was changed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how often would you bring up some of these topics that yeah, get to come never. up naturally because of the situations we've had in our home? Um, I mean, I can think of several different like socioeconomic type, type topics and um, ethnicity and skin color topics and all of those types of things that, um, you know, especially in our community, like, unfortunately, it's not uh, super diverse, super diverse at all. Yeah. But um you know, we've been blessed with having some diversity in our house, um, Mm -hmm. be it minimal and just with a few cases, but what a cool opportunity to be able to talk about some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when your kids hear these stories about what happens in our world and what's going on around us and things on the news, it's a very practical context to come back to Mm -hmm. where they can kind of like solidify on the topic, you know, and not just have it be this abstract thing that they're hearing about. Like they have a sister who is has a different color skin right right and, so and then that's let's impact explore them. where that conversation goes because of that mm-hmm. so totally, totally. yep <laughs> it's like we're the same person um i think in that regard too we're also like seeing their empathy grow hmm. so they're getting faces they're getting real humans behind these stories of messiness and brokenness and then like naturally their compassion for other people is like hopefully gonna sure. grow right they're gonna you know, maybe be in situations when they're older with maybe someone who is going through something similar or maybe a kid in their class is newly adopted or in mm-hmm. a foster home and like they will have a unique perspective yep. to hopefully love and 
Well, we've seen that happen already where our kids will very openly talk about how one of their siblings is adopted Mm -hmm. and i can i can think of one example on one of our biological kids sports teams this last year where he very freely shared that one of his siblings was adopted and we didn't know anything about this but one of the other kids on the team had um a story that involved adoption um, adoption Mm -hmm. as well and so what a cool bond they had and Mm -hmm. then that story made it back to the parents and so we got to have conversation with with that kid's family and um, yeah and the mom expressed how how grateful she was that my son said something because that was something that her son really struggled with exactly um and so having someone to be like wow it's not just me like you know it's a cool a cool situation that they can be in yeah you know another thing i was thinking of is just kind of like the ability to adapt and be flexible um because in these seasons when somebody's new in your house it often comes with a lot right a little bit of chaos so you have social workers just <laughs> yeah. randomly checking in you have meetings that you didn't plan you might have medical things that you have to get these children to you have mm-hmm. visitations that you have to get them to and whatever kind of routine your family was in that routine might get broken mm-hmm. it will get broken yes um and so you know we had seasons where yeah, the, the priority of what happened with our family's time shifted for a season. Right. Um, and that's not a bad thing. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool because that showed our kids that they're not always like number one on the priority list, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, hopefully that has developed in them like just a sense of flexibility and understanding right. that like I'm not priority number one all the time. Right. That they can share. You know, it's kind of similar to maybe bringing home like a newborn baby but like times 10 because like just the parents will be divided a little bit more there's more people in the house that we mm-hmm. have to like tend to and then add on top all of the social aspects, social of it. aspects yeah. Yeah. as well so yeah yeah i think i can think of like so many examples of like where our time or our schedule got shifted a little or like people having to ride in cars and like lots of puke happening because of <laughs> it we have one who gets car sick right. and just like or oh, just man, the reality of like this is hard. okay this area of our house is going to belong to someone else like right. this bedroom that you used to play in because mm-hmm. no one was in it someone's in it now and it's their right. personal space um you know stories of like when kids show up with absolutely nothing except the clothes yeah. they're wearing there's you know kids absorb that and ask questions like oh why doesn't you know such and such a person have a toy or clothes or yeah why do we have to go to the store to get them more stuff and um uh, those are all just like human empathy conversations right. that are cool to have with your kids. Mm-hmm. I think related to this, I think it grows their generosity. Like they, just in that example, um, you know, this person's coming to us with nothing. So could we give them one of our thousands of stuffed animals that right. we have? <laughs> and We don't actually have literally thousands, but it, it feels, feels like, like it. <laughs> and there's definitely enough that, we could share right so like Mm -hmm. could we give one to them that they could keep and feel comforted by you know Mm -hmm. and that's like a tangible thing that they can do and be responsible for yeah exactly and can shape their character long term yeah okay i feel like that's a lot of things that we just spewed out but it's good (laughs) yeah you know and as we talk about it i hope that the listeners don't feel like the only way to have to teach this stuff to your children is right. through foster care and adoption, right? No. It's just been a very practical way that we've been able to have some cool stuff happen in our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make those things happen in your family 
regardless regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you're involved in adoption or foster care but um just what a cool practical opportunity to um to experience all the stuff we were talking about um so yeah hopefully this is a good reflection for you as a listener that you know november is adoption month and um, hopefully you're hearing about it um and if not we're glad you're hearing about it from us Yeah, yeah definitely um okay so glad you guys are here. Well, should I mean, are there any like resources or references you'd want to send people to or anything? Yeah. Um, Off the top of my head, I have two. Okay. One is Foster the Family. Mm-hmm. They produce like blogs and I think they do like conferences and workshops and stuff. So it's like specifically trying to build up foster families okay. and they're super, super good resources I've, I have found from them. And then the other... One is a podcast called Around the World with the Archibald Project. Mm. Maybe you can link to all these. But they have, um, it's a husband and wife duo, and they were traveling all over the world and like really just like searching out like orphan care stories from all sides of not only the planet, but like different views, right? Like, so they talk to teen moms who gave up their babies for adoption. They talk to, um, orphanage workers in the middle of Africa and they talk to the adoptive kid like as a grown as it has you know that now that that person is like an adult or something right. so you get to see all views of the orphan crisis and adoption care and what that looks like and it just really expands viewpoints I feel sure so they're I really like their podcast as well cool that's awesome I would also just do a plug. Um, the childwelfare.gov website mm-hmm. is um, really cool, and they have some special stuff up right now um, for National Adoption Month. But it's a good kind of like launching point if you're wanting to find ways to get plugged in in your community. Yeah. They have ways where you can just kind of um, plug in your information about where you live and find opportunities. Um, and it's linked with several other organizations like the children's bureau and adopt us kids um and so it's a good place to start so it's childwelfare.gov cool yeah okay awesome well are we ready to move on let's do it okay i'm gonna read a review oh okay make us feel good about ourselves (laughs) so if you don't know um on the podcast like on apple itunes or whatnot you go leave a review five star you know, rate it five stars, right. we don't hopefully accept anything other than no. five stars. So. And then if you write a review, that's great too. Cause other people see it the way like SEO and the podcast world works is like the more people who will rate and review, the more people see it. So it helps us out. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do. And we might read your stuff on, we might. on air. <laughs> so you better get so, on there and leave a good one. Here's one from Creek Insider. Whoa. They, this person said, Five stars, of course. Loved their episode on vaccines for kids. Data from the study was straightforward, easy to understand, and informative. So glad I listened to it. Thank you so much for that review. That is totally what we were hoping for with that episode. It's the last one that we did, episode 16 on the COVID vaccine. Hot topic right now. So if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and check it out and leave us a review. Cool. Also, Table topic cards. Let's end with this. This is what we normally do when we end our shows. Mm -hmm. These cards are table topic cards. They're little, um, a downloadable 
form PDF, PDF <laughs> yeah. that you can um, get from our website. They provide over 100 questions for your family to use during mealtimes as the hope is that they can take the focus off of how much and what people are eating at your table and instead allow you to focus all on the connection. Yeah. So the one we're going to discuss and um, talk about is, Brian, are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is kind of deep. What makes you feel loved? Ooh. Keep it G. Oh, okay. Um, I think just uh, quality time. Okay. Um, so if that's, you know, from a spouse or a kid or a friend. Um, just being together. I feel loved by being invited, you know, to like, something yeah. and um, purposefully wanting to spend time with me. Okay. Yeah. What about you? That's good. I'd say I feel loved when i guess it's like words of affirmation or Mm. when people can voice their appreciation for what i do nice or voice things that maybe i don't see like i love how you do this or that and maybe it's something that i don't recognize in myself maybe that's why you love the reviews on the podcast oh yeah that's what it is words of affirmation (laughs) i can look at them every day (laughs) (laughs) i love it all right well thanks guys for joining us and we'll catch you next time see ya Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. Check out our episode notes for more information about items we discussed in this episode. Also, remember to subscribe, comment, and share our podcast with your friends and family. For more information about our available services and to join our community, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Doctor and the Dietitian. And check out our website at The Doctor and the Dietitian. While we continually make an effort to share with you correct and the most up-to-date information, we admit that we're still learning, and probably will always be learning. We double-check all of our facts, but realize that nutrition and medicine are constantly changing art and science. Other dietitians and physicians may have a different way of doing things. We're simply presenting our views on these topics in order to help you. By listening to this podcast, accessing our social media, reviewing our website and products, We are not establishing a patient-doctor relationship or a client-dietitian relationship, and therefore we are not specifically diagnosing or treating any conditions specifically with you in mind. We do recommend that you consult with your own physician, your child's pediatrician, and or a dietitian for your specific individual needs. This disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to our podcast, social media, website, or products, and our opinions do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers.